All right. Feel good? Yeah. All right. I feel good. I, I knew that you would. I, what? I knew that you would. I know. All right. Here we go. All right. Today in Alphabetical, I will. Hi, and welcome to Alphabetical, the only podcast where we talk about the Beatles uh, from 12 to Y. My name is John. I'm L. Adam. I'm Alex. And I'm Joe. Joe is a special guest today. Special guest. Filling in for... Filling in for Pete the Retailer. Who's on assignment. Who's on assignment in Liverpool. Covering the trenches. <laughs> covering the trenches. Literally um, covering them. No, yeah, he's covering like, them with like, yeah. <laughs> Dry. <laughs> yeah, or dead bodies. I don't know. That's the way they did in World War One. I. I don't know. Uh, Joe is from... Joe, do you want to give, it a shout, give a shout out to your album? My people? To my what? To your podcast <laughs> album? Oh, yes. I do have a uh, weekly record eclectic vinyl podcast called Jorby's Record Attack. I, it's just a SoundCloud uh, podcast, but I do that uh, almost. I, I used to do it weekly. Now it's every other week about. Nice. Good stuff. So all types of stuff. Awesome. And uh, what are we talking about today? Oh, sorry. I didn't even say what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> we're talking about Will I Am from. No, we're talking about I Will from uh, the Beatles album. Well, is that the first Black Eyed Peas reference? Actually, it's yes, like it the, is. Is it? Job. Yeah, I was going to say it was like the 35th. No, oh, but it yeah. is the first, yes. <laughs> you know, no Black Eyed Peas. We should do that. Yeah, we should do that. Instead. He said he did take his name from this song. I'm did told, he? No, that's a lie. Oh, no. like a like an anagram, like he was doing a Highlights magazine thing. of. Uh, a big fan of this song. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Uh, Paul McCartney. McCartney Diddy Jam. From uh, the White Album. Mm-hmm. 1968. Sort of a ballad. I guess everyone listening to this probably knows the song already. I'm sure I'm sure someone's like, oh, I'm curious to hear about this song. I've never heard it, so I guess we don't need to describe it as a ballad. Right. Yes, it's uh, mostly acoustic. You have uh, Paul on guitar. Three, three of the four Beatles. Three of the four Beatles. George John was, Lennon uh, on percussion, in quotes. Right. Yeah. And George wasn't there, George right? was not there. It's, it's, it sounds like it's mostly like a solo McCartney song, really. I mean, I think that like Ringo and George just play some percussion, and the rest of it's McCartney overdubs. I'm going to guess. That's what it's, that's yeah, what it's pretty like. much. I think that's you know that's what it was. It was just him doing his thing, and then the two, other two guys just tapping on wood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah. "Hey, I let you guys sit around. Just you know, don't do too much." Yeah, well, at least they got to punch in, punch out that day. You know, and uh, Paul sings the bass line. Yeah, yeah you can hear you, I saw him credit his vocal bass. I was like, what? Sort of getting into Bobby McFerrin territory there. <laughs> <laughs> God, those guys were doing firsts. They, yeah, they all, invented heavy the metal. They invented, they invented Bobby McFerrin. Acapella music. <laughs> all amazing. that stuff. But, uh, so apparently this took 67 takes. Yeah, considering but how simple it is. I think it was just 67 takes because he wanted to just play around. Well, there's a lot of messing around. Yeah, there's like there's a few uh, outtakes that are on the anthology series that were front that were quote unquote takes, right? That weren't actual takes of this song, you know, like Los Paranoias and of course the Revolution Nine intro. Mm. Can right. you take me back where? That's from this. Yeah, that was one of the takes on this. That's interesting that you consider that to be the Revolution Nine intro, or as I consider it to be the Cry Baby Cry outro. Interesting. I'm, I think, yeah, I'm in the Cry Baby Cry camp myself. I think on the digitally, they do put it as part of the, it's listed as part of Cry Baby Cry. 
I have no opinion. So, uh, but it's just interesting because if you're listening to it on the album, it's not really clear where one ends and one begins. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Seems like uh, an afterthought of right. "Cry Baby Cry." It's a transition song in terms of uh, recording technology-wise. Right. Exactly. One of one of the uh, it's when they had started to go from four track to eight track. This song, as well as I think "Birthday" and "Cry Baby Cry," they started off as four track recordings, but then they got their eight track machine. And they had used 8-track machines, I think, in other studios, the Trident Studios. But I think this was some of their first 8-track recordings at Abbey Road proper. So, what, is that actually, actually, what does it actually mean? I'm not a musician, nor am I a recording artist or a superstar of any type. He doesn't even know how we're recording this what, podcast. What, that, what exactly does it mean for – does that mean you can have basically – four different recordings and they're blended into one recording. Joe, Joe, do you want to take this? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially imagine four, you, you kind of got it right there. Imagine four tape recorders playing at once in sync with each other. And so you can have up to four sounds coexisting at any given time. Okay. So with eight tracks, you can do eight. That means you can add more sounds. You can add more overdubs. Um, I mean, nowadays for recording, you have unlimited tracks with right. uh, Pro Tools and other types of digital software. But uh, at the time, it was a pretty big deal. They had been doing multi-track recording of more than four tracks for a, a number of years at this point by what's called uh, – they would pre-bounce their tracks. So they would record on four tracks of one four-track tape and bounce it down to one track of another four-track tape and so forth. Like a lot of uh, uh, Sgt. Pepper has done this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have eight tracks there that you can all record onto at once, it just gives you a little more freedom in terms of mixing and, um, you don't have to commit to, uh, like say a bad drum mix. If you then start adding overdubs to it, you can go back and fix things a little bit better. So How many- like I, like I will is actually, it's a very, it's a very simple song, but when you listen to it, it's, it's very, um, it's rather lush. Like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of subtle percussive things. Mm-hmm. And I think the acoustic guitar, the rhythm guitar might be even overdubbed um, like or double tracked because there's a lot of like just depth to it. And then the lead guitar is another another element to that there as well. Like if this song had been recorded three years prior, it would have just been kind of I don't know, it wouldn't it it would have just been kind of mushy sounding. So right. what if uh, what if it had been what uh, how many tracks did they like you said nowadays it doesn't matter in terms of how many tracks but what what did they get up to before the digital it, it age was, yeah before <laughs> it was all scrapped for, uh, it was they, probably in in uh, multiples of four or right, right. Joe well, like yeah, sixteen thirty two track or? yeah they never got to uh, sixteen tracks started becoming more common around seventy one and seventy two like like um so there was a big uh, jump I, between like sixty five and seventy five like yeah huge, uh, huge technological jump. A lot of well, it's a technological jump. I think. I mean, they were able to do a lot of this stuff previously. It was just it didn't sound quite as good, right? And it would have been a lot more difficult to do. Um, I think. Additionally, you can hear with a song like this and some of the once once the white album rolls around. I think the eight tracks having those eight tracks um, makes those stereo the stereo mixes a lot better. Early Beatles stuff up through basically up through around Sgt. Pepper, the stereo mixing is really like moronic like the drums and the bass will be on the left and the yeah. vocals on the right and then the lead guitar and like some bongos are in the middle right. and that's because most of the early mixes you guys might have discussed this before all most of the mixes up through the white album were done as mono mixes and then they just kind of like squatted out the uh 
the stereo mixes last minute because they thought it was like kind of a novelty thing. Like 3D but, is today. So, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but like, um, but when you have uh, when you have eight tracks there, and you can like. So if you have the drums on one track and it's not paired already with the bass, you have a lot more freedom when you're doing even a quick stereo mix to just be like, okay, this could be here. And then let's just spread the stereo mix. Like, so we have a broad picture, like left to right, as opposed to just hard left and hard right. Right. Um, And I think, yeah, this was the white album was like the first where they first time where they started using a track. And then as of uh, Abbey Road, Abbey Road is a full a track album. And I think Let It Be is as well. Yeah, I think post, yeah, all, all after that. And I think EMI had an A-track for, oh, like, before. Well, they went to Trident, I think, because yep. Trident had an 8-track. But EMI did too, but they didn't install it yet. I think there was some story where the engineer there wanted to really install it, like, the right way. So, like, they had it for, like, a year or something like that before it was put in. Yeah, they had, I think uh, Lennon held one of the guys up at gunpoint. That's the rumor. <laughs> Installed it. That's okay. totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, to continue on this this really exciting technical uh, <laughs> 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 Just a quick aside, I, I've been reading the Jeff Emmerich book, uh, his autobiography in my life, um, and he was talking about the early days when they had four tracks and when they had a second four track machine, if they wanted to do like additional uh, recordings and it was it was they were synced, but it was a very like sloppy like it was in another room and it, to this day he's like i don't even know why it was in another room like it just seemed like bad design on the engineer's part and that he's like that was the worst job to have as a as a button pusher recorder like because basically all the fun would be happening in studio 1 studio 2 with the beatles and i would be in a room without a windowless room with a four track <laughs> That I would just hear it in combat. I didn't like, you know, I just hear like Hello, one thing. <laughs> I wouldn't hear like what was going on. I wouldn't hear like the background noise, the conversations. And it was just like, it was just the worst job ever. But uh, we've come a long way. He's like a switch operator. I'm yes. transfer. Hold on, hold on. Transfer those guitars. They call them button pushers, those the kids, the crazy kids. Yeah. Oh. You know, that was, their, that was their job. But uh, the Beatles broke all of those um, stuffy... Uh, you know the molds that uh, they took sledgehammers to that windowless room. Yep, they uh, it, they moved it to the men's silver room. hammers. Yes, silver hammers. They borrowed from Maxwell. Um, Have you guys covered this? Was this was uh, not a George uh, Martin production either? Have you guys covered that? A lot of the the uh, a lot of the uh, White Album recording sessions were overseen by a guy named uh, Chris Thomas, who was like twenty one or twenty two at the time. Ah, Chris Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know anything about. It. He was just some guy that was around. He didn't even work there. But that time, I'm sure they were pretty much like producing themselves almost. I mean, it's hard to imagine a 21-year-old going in there. All right, listen, Beals, yeah. I'm the boss here. And, At this point, know. they were like just recording in like separate studios. Right, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They couldn't stand like, it. You tell, you tell John I finished the drums, all right? All right, thanks. I'll see you later. Bye. But uh, yeah, he's, I mean, and, uh, oh, did you guys cover that? No, uh, interesting tidbit about this. The flute. That is on Glass Onion on the little, you know, the little section of Glass Onion where they reference Fool right. on the Bill. Do, 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 do. And that was recorded at the end of the I Will recording session. That overdub was done. Right. Yeah. So it's okay. a pretty, it's, it's pretty, I think the White Album is really incredible when you, when you look at how by this time their use of the studio as a creative tool had just become very intuitive. Like there's no sense of even gimmickry involved. It's like they just had these free flowing ideas that were involved in the recording process. Whereas like I love Sgt. Pepper, but there's like a little bit of 
hey, why don't we do this just to do it? Whereas once they got to the White Album, I felt like they just, like, listen, like, I will. It's an eight-track recording, which was, like, big deal technology once they started going there. Mm -hmm. And you listen to I Will, and there's no sense of that at all. It's all very subtle and very, it just adds up. Yeah, I Will almost sounds like it could be, like, a McCartney, like, you know, McCartney 2 song. You know, like, it's it's got more of a DIY kind of feel to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney said it was one of his favorite melodies that he's written. Huh. There you go. Now, let me let me ask you guys on a non-technical standpoint. Uh, if no, you guys are fond of oh, sorry. Yes. No, no. If you guys are fond of this song, were were you always fond of it? Like uh, this is one of those songs that I could see like maybe when you're younger being like it's kind of a boring track and then you you grow to appreciate it more. Are we, are we talking ratings now? Are we oh, I, 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 I don't know if you want to jump right into that. I, it was just a question I had when I was like re-listening to it. It was like, this is one of those few songs. You mean like it gets better with age? Yeah, yeah. Or do, were you just like always or gets appreciative? Better as you age. Yeah. As you age. Or like were you just always appreciative of it? Like even when you heard it at a young age? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, my, yeah. I, my, my, <laughs> my like, my enjoyment of the White Album has been pretty much consistent. Mm. Uh, yeah, me too. Since you know, since I first heard it, I think um, I like it more now than what I did when I was younger. Along the lines of what you were saying, I think when I was younger, I didn't like the ballady kind of softer stuff as much. Yeah, but now I think because now that I'm old and like, oh, keep it down, like, not, <laughs> not, don't be so rock and roll. It's you know, I, I have a, more of a. Uh, a it's. Force. I mean, given that it's part of the White Album, and it's especially it's part of that side two of disc one where all the songs are like really short and. I, it's it's hard for me to remember if I really had a specific thought about this as it's stand as a standalone song, like it it really exists as this kind of in between for me. From why don't we do it in the road to Julia? Right. You know, what I mean? why don't we do no, it in the yeah, road like, to Julia? <laughs> why yeah. don't we do it, Julia? <laughs> like because yeah. it goes, why don't we do it in the road? And then it kicks yeah. into this, and then it's really short, and then it goes right into. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's a I think it's an awesome song, but um Yeah, it's really hard to think of the White Album out of context. Yeah, like really and some of the well. songs more so than others, but especially like this this last set, the the last cuz I the last 3 of side 2, I always kind of just think of as one little suite of cuz they all they all have very a very sparse sound to them, you know. Right. right. They're all very like natural, like organic. Yeah. yeah. Like they found them in a mountain or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> look, look what I found under this rock. Exactly. <laughs> Three oh, songs. An A-track uh, mix down. <laughs> there you go. We did it. <laughs> we did it, guys. We found the recording, the, the playback Let's technology. thank the Magic Goblin again for making us famous. This song kind of, I think, has grown in popu- popularity, too. It's like I feel like, like it's a very... Um, After the Black Eyed Peas. I will, I am. No, I think like, I think it became a popular wedding song after like In My Life was used Oh yeah, a lot now. So now people are like, oh, we want to use the Beatles too, but we don't want to use that number, that really famous Beatles right. wedding song. Now after this podcast, this I, everyone's going to use I mean, this. I used a uh, temporary secretary at my wedding. <laughs> Everyone enjoyed it. <laughs> No, you're, do you remember your – well, that's a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> your, your wedding DJ wouldn't let us listen to uh, – he wouldn't let us play Temporary Secretary. Remember that? Yeah, I remember. He wouldn't let you? Or he didn't have <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a story from my – there. And listen, he's like, no, we're going to move that to my wedding podcast. It's on Tuesdays <laughs> okay. and Fridays. There you go. 
Um, Sorry, it's called that. My Wedding Minute. And Temporary matrimony. <laughs> you just recount. You just sit home watching like wedding videos with a right. microphone. <laughs> right now, we're halfway through the uh, the vows. In so. the background, my aunt Mira, she's stumbling as she's trying to get in position for a photo. That's right. <laughs> do we want to talk numbers? Let's talk yeah, numbers. Let's do it. Uh, let's talk numbers. Uh, Joe, you want to go first? What one do we to do? Five rating? One to five. Yeah, Joe, it's one, one to five. five, and then uh, you know. Do we do? Are we allowed to do decimals? You yes. can do decimals. I go like I go like a four point five on this one. It's a pretty awesome melody. It's very like typical McCartney. It like goes between the minor major. It's a long kind of flowing melody. Really beautiful production. The only the only point five death like deduction I'd give it is that it just has like it's very just lightweight lyrically. You know, it doesn't really say much. Right. But um, it's, it's an awesome awesome <laughs> tune. For would you would you like to categorize a, or to define a unit? We do different units for every song, so like 4.5. Um, I would go, well, you know the little bongo that you hear at the end? The punk, <laughs> punk, yeah. I would go 4.5 Lonely Bongos. <laughs> That's a great comedy group, the Lonely like Bongos. That. Yep. Yeah. They're fun for a while, then you start feeling really bad that you're enjoying it. <laughs> Especially, it's just, yeah, it's just one bongo. Not really a group. Indeed. It's like one bongo. It doesn't even have anyone playing it. You know? Lonely bongos. Well, it's one guy like art installation comes out and plays in a lounge by himself. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a folk club. There like you a, go. Like a Greenwich Village folk club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're playing the Lonely Bongo tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Come see us. I got to pick up short around there. Uh, I'm going to give this a five, though. Five? I wow. have this, a five. Yeah, I know. You will give it a five. I will wow. give it five Lonely Bongos. It's just it's such a good song, you know. I don't, I don't know. So did you? Yeah, I it, I was surprised that you know when I was a kid, I kind of strayed away from ballads, like you were saying. Right. But I've always really enjoyed this track. So like you've always given. If we had yeah. talked to fifteen year old uh, Adam, he'd totally give it a five. He would also. He also will give it a. Yes, five. he will. All right. Well, yeah. well, I'll be the outlier. I like it, but I'm not like blown away by it. I just give it three lonely bongos. Wow. Okay. Three lonely bongos. I'll go with a four. Four lonely bongos. Four lonely bongos. Four lonely bongos. With no explanation. Do you think anyone's <laughs> ever named their kid Will after this song? Or I yeah, will. Maybe. Or I will. Yeah. Well, I I was looking Ignatius <laughs> William. I was reading like comments on YouTube videos and people were like just like the effects that this song has on kids. Like people were like, Oh, I'd sing this as a lullaby to my kid every night since they were born. And yeah. now, like, my child just refers to it as their nighttime song. Like, they know all the wor- words. Really? Yeah, oh, like, I word for word. Like, one guy was like, my three-year-old daughter, she knows a song front to back. And, like, she just requests it as her nighttime song before she goes to sleep. I'm like, wow. That's People cool. still sing to their kids? That's weird. You're so nurturing, Alex. We have the entire world of music at our fingertips. And people are still, like, with their dumb voices? Come on. Yeah. You know what? Like, use them. Why would you sing when you can have the greatest artist? I know my my kids don't want to hear like I will. Yeah, come on, (laughs) just tuck in now, Dad. You're embarrassing me. (laughs) Mom's little baby love, Charlotte. Good night. Uh, Get with it, folks. Yeah, you guys have any any covers? Uh, I do. (laughs) I don't know if I can call this technically a cover. You will. You. But my my cover is Peter Serafinowicz's "I'll Kill." <laughs> so for all of you out there, YouTube, Peter Serafinowicz made a nice little parody video of the song, but instead it's called I, "I'll Kill," and it features him as Paul McCartney being a serial killer. And oh it's, wow, it's amazing! Wow. And Serafinowicz is hilarious. Yeah. Yes, and he does all the Beatles amazingly. 
Nice. He should be like a dark, weird owl, where instead of doing songs about food or TV shows, he does all songs about murder. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then just just to say I, I listened to it and I got through it um, before I came here, I listened. Tim Curry made an album. I saw that, in but the I, 70s, didn't, I didn't check it out. And he made a reggae version of this. And, you know, anybody who wants to get through anybody who out there who listens to the whole thing, I will send you a chocolate bar. Really? Wow. Yeah. For, he, for free, no, no hmm. cost to you. I would say do don't, 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 don't take me up on that. I'm, I'm just. I would say, did true. he do any songs about like the it clown thing, Pen, being Pennywise? But I heard he was terrified of clowns. I, after I heard that song, I was done with okay. the whole experience. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, well, now I definitely want to track. I'm more <laughs> interested in the I Kill than the yeah, yes, definitely. I, I Kill is really funny. Yeah. Uh, I went with Adam Green. Oh, I thought you meant me. I was like, crap! Yeah, I went you got into my secret recordings. Green. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, he's that guy. He used to be in that band, The Moldy Peaches. Oh, okay. And yeah. he's the, the guy, half of The Moldy Peaches. And uh, he kind of like talks things. At, um, and he includes a lot of references to prescription pill abuse for some <laughs> reason. So, uh, <laughs> well, that was like take 23 of the original one. Yeah, uh, maybe. Maybe he just out of the 67 both, t- yeah, takes. What was the subtext? It makes it, you know. The text, but uh, there you go. If you're interested in the weird blend of uh, prescription drugs, lullaby and prescription drugs, there you go. Adam Green. Okay. I've uh, got uh, Jonathan Colton. I don't know how the heck you say his last name. Colton. Yeah, okay. But That's he right. does, uh, mainly I know him from doing uh, that song from the video game Portal. Right. Still alive. Yeah, so good. But uh, he does a cover where the vocals are pretty much the same, like mm-hmm. same pacing and same like tone, but the music's more upbeat. Which you think that sound really bad, but it's, it's interesting. It's, yeah, it it's almost sounds sound. like two of us. I know we haven't gotten to two of us yet, but it has that kind of like yeah, rambling, yeah. yes, plucking kind of. Uh, Took me a second to place that in my brain, but yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, like a bit more of like a rambling song, or a, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, yeah, like two of us. Picture two of us, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Definitely. a good, uh, good. Uh, so, anyone else with covers? Any other, uh, Jay? You got any covers for this one? Uh, I. I don't know how I got it. There's a good uh, reggae version by a guy named John Holt. I don't know anything about him, but I have it on. It's for some reason it's on my iPod. It's worth checking out. I would mm. say it's just kind of yeah. It's just a reggae version of it, you know. Reggae. So got there are always reggae these, versions. Tim there's Curry. always reggae covers of the Beatles. <laughs> every just, every Beatles song yeah, has a, uh, it. Just, it works. A reggae cover out there. We got to. Uh, I like it. That's going to be doing category now. I'm going to come up with a reggae category for a cover. It's, for it's one of those unexplainable things like mint and lamb. It just works. You think? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, mint and lamb? Mint jelly and lamb. What? Am I am I, am I dating myself? I'm in my late fifties, by the way. Uh, <laughs> j- 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 <laughs> All right. Remember mind. when you used to sing "I Will" to us when we were kids? <laughs> you know how there's you know there's combos of stuff, and you're like, how do they come up with that? Right. I always wondered about like. Like peanut butter they and used chocolate. To, I, I don't know if they still do, but like mint, mint jelly was traditionally served with lamb, like lamb chops. Hmm. Okay. Jeez, you learn something yeah. new every day. Yeah. That's what that, I, but where is like mint jelly? Where do you even? I guess you don't get that anymore. I guess I'm, uh, <laughs> I've never seen mint jelly. Is it anyway. a British thing? Is it like yeah. a? No, it's it's. Here. Were you borrowing John Lennon's time machine? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I was eating at the Knickerbocker in '73, and I had a <laughs> mint. All right. Anyway, so there goes my analogy out the window. Yeah. Do you right. think? Do you think he had anyone in mind when he wrote the song? He's never really said that. I, I think know he was about Linda. Really? He was in India at the time. Was he going out with her? And and if it's Linda, he did catch her name. He's lying. She was coming. Uh, I think she was coming to, to meet him. Maybe they met around before India. Yeah, they did write it in, in yeah. India. Maybe they met before India. He didn't catch her name and then wrote it about her while he was in India thinking of her. Uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. 
And I'm just going like, to imagine the like, song that he wrote this about some big, giant, ugly, fat woman. I don't know why. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Any, any, any uh, closing words? Uh, uh, does anybody want to say some funny pun thing about I, I, uh, the I, next episode? I was, I, you made me, I was thinking about something else. I was going to ask you guys. You guys see they're doing a new, uh, new Terminator movie? No, tell me about it. Yeah, there's some new sequel out, but I'm like, I'm wondering how how long do you think before he uh, he says I'll be back? I will. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> All right, that works. That, yeah, um, I'm not Pete. Pete usually does these lame things. <laughs> anyway, alphabetical. We'll be back <laughs> on Wednesday, talking about I'll be back. Uh, until then, you know, hit us up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. We're Alpha Beatles. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Until then, goodbye. Bye, everyone.